<clears throat> Sorry, I got something in my throat. I just went for a really quick walk with a dog to a field that had the grass mowed. And so I don't know if it's pollen or, but it's lodged. So enjoy the coughing. It's also really unattractive watching someone cough, isn't it? All my chins come out. The irony that <clears throat> my throat chakra is completely blocked <clears throat> as I'm about to start talking about the importance of speaking your truth. <laughs> oh, irony. Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, where we explore how we can better understand our thoughts, feelings and actions, change our results and feel less alone as we navigate that crazy thing called life. My name is Emily Chabourne and I am a mindset coach and I recorded this episode live in my free Facebook group, That Crazy Thing Called Life. If you're not a member yet, head to the show notes to join this epic community of over 3,000 people and you'll be able to join me live next week as I record the next episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. Dear Em, you did an Insta story recently where you casually dropped in that you are a member of AA. You said it so confidently and like it was a normal thing. My question is, how did you get so confident to speak so openly and honestly about your life? I thought this was a really brilliant question because I think sometimes I probably take for granted that I am now, now, haven't always been, but now I am the sort of person who can be very open and very honest about where she's at, what she's thinking, how she's rocking out. And that's not in a guys, I've nailed life way. It's in a, I'm a bit of a clusterfuck way <laughs> because I think we're all clusterfucks. We're all just bobbling around this world, clusterfucking into each other. And when we pretend that we're not clusterfucks, when we pretend that we've got everything sorted, we begin to create a persona that isn't really who we are. And in the dissonance the cognitive dissonance between those two personas i.e who i really am how i really feel what i really think what i really have to say what i've really got going on and the person i'm presenting to be that dissonance is really painful so before i launch into what i have to say i want to just quickly ask that you listen for the code and not the context. So I say this to my clients. I'm live with my clients every week. We're either doing hot seat coaching. So someone's being coached live by me or we've got a Q&A session or we're in like a webinar type, more of a teaching session. So listen for the code, not the context. And what I mean by that is the code is <clears throat> Emily's ability and thinking and mindset behind speaking openly and honestly and owning her story. The context is specifically the AA story. So you might not be a member of AA, you might not be an alcoholic, you might not resonate at all with addiction, but you will resonate with not speaking your truth, not being honest about where you're at sometimes with other people, trying to maintain a, a I've got it all together facade. Right. So listen to the code. Don't worry about the context. I am going to talk in the context of AA because it's a very easy vehicle for me to be able to deliver because there's so much embarrassment and shame associated with being an alcoholic. 
And I'd also quite like to dispel a bit of that because I think if there was less shame, well, people could admit that actually I do have a little bit of a problem with booze or I do smoke too much weed or I can't stop eating or I am addicted to social media. And it's only when we admit and acknowledge that we have a problem and bring real genuine conscious awareness to it, not, oh God, I know it's an issue, but I'm just not going to, I'm going to worry. I've got too much on my plate at the moment to worry about that. I mean, like genuine, hardcore, I'm going to own this conscious awareness of it. Then we can make a change. But while it sits in the shadow of shame, it's really hard to bring it out to the open to actually do anything about it. So how do I talk so openly about my life? I think when I first started out in business, I didn't. Um, Originally, I started out in dating coaching. The irony that now I've become completely accidentally, but I know that I have become an example, if you like, of somebody who's living her best single life to a lot of women. I get a lot of comments and a lot of messages from women saying, thank you for letting me think that it's okay to be single. Um, So there's, you know, a nice little bit of universal irony for you. But I started out as a dating coach and I was single myself while I was talking about dating. And obviously what I was really delivering for my clients was the importance of self-love and having boundaries and self-respect and letting go of any stories and breaking old patterns. But the marketing behind bringing clients into my programs was directed to single women. And I think at that time, I was under the impression that in order to be considered an expert, in order to be considered a professional, I had to appear like I knew everything and I had to appear like I had everything that I wanted. And I created a semi-successful business on that mindset and sitting in that paradigm and being that person. Then what happened was that in 2017, I ended up in a relationship with a woman and that had never happened to me before. I was totally shocked by it. It was like, came out of nowhere. I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, Because I was a heterosexual woman teaching heterosexual women how to have heterosexual relationships with heterosexual men. So this was, it completely blew apart my paradigm and my business model. That relationship lasted just under a year and in that time my mum also died I felt towards the end of 2017 quite angry with the world because I had done so much work on myself I was so proud of the work that I had done and the thoughts that I had unpacked and the limiting beliefs that I had smashed through and the person that I was becoming and I felt like I had done all the work that was asked of me I had like worked I mean grafted I mean like full fucking resilience and tenacity crawled my way out of debt I had crawled my way out of feeling like I had no purpose I had taken so many tight butt moments in those early days of business. My first Facebook Live, my second Facebook Live, my 25th Facebook Live, my first webinar, learning how to sell, learning how to market, learning how to put myself out there. I had overcome so much fucking fear. I'd done all the manifesting work. I'd really worked. I'd I'd shown discipline and dedication. And it had paid off. And then towards the end of 2017, I found myself broke again because I actually hadn't dealt with any of the root 
mindset stuff around money. So although I had through desperation learned how to make money to get myself away from my debt and away from the job that I hated, I actually hadn't resolved my bigger belief system and the actual paradigm that was controlling my vibrational frequency around money. So funnily enough, I, I earned all this money, but I couldn't hold on to it. I couldn't sustain it. And so, and you know, obviously there was other stuff going on. I spent a huge chunk of that year in the UK because my mum was dying of cancer. Um, and I was in a relationship with a woman. And so all of a sudden, everything that I said on Facebook felt like a lie. I felt like a fraud. I didn't know how to tell people. So I just kept it a secret. And the moment that you keep anything a secret, the moment you begin to present as somebody that you are intrinsically not, you will put out a vibrational energy that is at odds with what it is that you really want to draw in. Because ultimately what we're all searching for, whatever the vehicle, whether the vehicle be health, whether the vehicle be money, whether the vehicle be friendship, whether the vehicle be a relationship, whether the vehicle be a thriving business, what we're all at the end of the day looking for is connection and belonging. And when you can't connect to yourself because you're being someone that you are not, you don't feel like you belong to yourself. And when you feel like the only way to belong to the universe or to belong to your community or to belong to your friendship group or to belong in your relationship is to be somebody that you are not, you are disconnecting from yourself. And that doesn't feel good. Doesn't matter how much money you earn. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't matter how many partners you have. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't matter how many friends you have or how many handbags you have or how many cars you drive. It doesn't feel good. And so all of that was going on for me in 2017. And, and, and that's, you know, another fundamental reason I couldn't generate income towards the end of the year was because I didn't feel good. My partner had just left. My mum had just died. I was broke again, seriously, like weeks away from having to go back into a waitressing job. And oh, that's right. I'd also really injured my ankle running. So I was like physically injured as well. I was so angry and waffling a bit, sorry, but yeah, it's a personal story and I tend to waffle a bit more in personal stories. I was so angry with the universe because I felt like I'd done everything that I should have done. I felt like I played the game and it hadn't worked out. <laughs> I, I, my mum had still died. I'd still been dumped. I'd still been injured. I, you know, st was still broke. And so it didn't feel fair. <clears throat> Fairness is one of my limiting beliefs that I've had to work really hard with. It's not fair. And then, of course, the moment that you say it's not fair, all you're doing is putting out a physical vibrational frequency of resistance to what it is that you want to bring in. Anyway, I didn't know this back then. I didn't actually know about the nuances of energetics back then. I was still working under the paradigm of like the secret, which is like if you want something enough and you talk about it enough and you pretend like it's already happened, then a red Ferrari will appear in your driveway. And that is categorically not how manifesting works. But that's what I thought manifesting was then. And then I had this moment... It was in an Uber randomly when I realized that life isn't about existing without problem. It's not. Life is about learning how to manage problem well. I have a friend called Steve Clayton, who's a bit of a legend, and I listened to him on a podcast once in The Pursuit of Love, I think it's called. And um, 
And he said at the end, he was like, you know, what I have learned about life is that suffering is intrinsically built into life. And so what you must learn to do is not learn how not to suffer, but learn how to suffer really well. And that really stuck with me. And so I think it was that was the turning point where fueled by anger that it wasn't working out the way that I had anticipated it working out and and this dawning realization that you can do all of the things that you think that you should be doing and you don't get to control death you don't get to control other people you don't get to control when the tide comes in when the tide goes out when the sun rises when the sun falls you don't get to control anything outside of you and although you are a very powerful generator of energy and therefore a very powerful manifester in your life you only get to control you and here I was thinking if I do everything the way that I'm, I think I'm being told or the way the books tell me to do it, then the external environment will automatically just play into my hands and I'll get what I want. It's not true. It's not. And I was so angry, but so um, kind of weirdly relieved when I worked out that life is a paradox and that we are being sold this bullshit lie of like happiness is your birthright and like you can have everything you want and it's not true I don't believe that is true I believe everything has a payoff and I believe that unhappiness is a part of being a human being and I believe that the more that we try to live a life without problem to shield ourselves from pain the more weak we become on the inside we need to learn how to build the emotional resilience and the internal capabilities and resources to deal with external stress because that shit is not going anywhere. And if you are listening to this in live time, pre-American election, mid-COVID, I am telling you now, it's going to get fucking worse. Is it? Theodore agrees. Buddy. <clears throat> That's when I realised that actually pretending like I had all of my shit together, pretending like I never had problem, pretending like I was always happy, pretending like I had a good day all day, every day, was a massive, massive, A, lie, which was keeping me distant from my own being, but B, a massive disservice to my clients. So I did a Facebook Live that day and I was like, no more of this being a human being sucks. And that's when I coined the phrase unashamedly human. I was like, I'm gonna be completely unashamedly human here. I refuse to be ashamed of myself anymore. I refuse to pretend to be someone I'm not anymore. I refuse to pretend that life is easy and you can have everything that you want without any stress. And it's just in flow, man. And as long as you're on your like aligned path, man, everything just comes to you, man. And it's just like, there's never a bad day. Like it's bullshit. It is absolute spiritual bypassing bullshit and it needs to stop. And I got so passionate about that, that I had immediately, almost overnight, the best sales month of my entire coaching career. People were literally sending me messages saying, I haven't heard anyone speak like that in the personal development world. How do I work with you? That's when I realized I was onto something and not in a, I can make loads of money from this, but in a, I can find a way to be at peace with myself, even despite all of the shit, <clears throat> all of the shit that's going on around me, <clears throat> despite the fact that people are going to die, despite the fact that people are going to get ill, despite the fact that I might get injured, despite the fact that there will be economic waves and troughs, despite all of that, I can still be at peace in my soul. 
that was when I worked out that instead of being ashamed of my unashamedly human bits, right? The bits that people don't tend to talk about when I get really angry, when I get really jealous, when I get really righteous, when I get really upset, when I get really fucked off, when I get really sad, when I get bound by grief, instead of avoiding talking about those things with a perception that that is what makes me weak and therefore not attractive to anybody else, I began to realize that when I speak that level of truth, I, I operate under a vulnerability that is the strongest that I will ever be. And that certainty of self is what makes me attractive, not just to my clients, but to my friends, any potential partners that might be coming my way. And if it doesn't, if it's not attractive to a potential partner, then quite frankly, they're not a person. The right person will be attracted to that level of vulnerability in me. I'm very careful not to be sloppy with it because you do see practitioners who are like, come on in the middle of a breakdown and who'll like turn the camera on themselves while they're transitioning through some big stuff. I only ever talk about it once it is resolved, once it is integrated and once it is complete. I don't think there is ever a need for people to see my breakdowns, for people to see me crying in that way because I think that can be a bit sloppy. That's when we begin to use our platform for sympathy. It's when we begin to use that strength as a slight manipulation. I don't like to do that personally. It's always in a completion that I come and share my experience because I want to keep it clean. If like me, you love reading cool stuff, listening to interesting interviews and hearing funny, quirky stories that feel really relatable, then sign up for my famous Friday emails. They're jam-packed with awesomeness, and if you sign up and you're not into it, you can always unsubscribe. Link in the show notes, and I look forward to being in your inbox on Friday. It's Friday! So that was kind of how I worked out that speaking my truth is really important. When it comes to the AA thing, I didn't stop drinking until May of 2018, and I didn't think I was an alcoholic. And it's a hard identity to take on or even identify with, hard identity to identify with, you know what I mean? Because I think of the kind of stereotypical alcoholic. And I think that's why people struggle to find help when they can't stop drinking or when they binge drink or when they drink to blackout or when they drink to shame and embarrassment. So I was trying to stop drinking for ages and ages and ages. I was highly functioning. I mean, I was drinking two bottles of wine a day, but highly functioning. I considered that that was fine. But when I decided I wanted to give up, I couldn't. And it was a friend of mine who said to me, why don't you go to an AA meeting? And I was like, offended. I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. And she said, the definition of addiction is doing a behavior that you don't want to do and you can't give it up. And I was like, do you know what? I am smart enough to know that when I don't know how to do something, I find somebody who has the result that I want to have and I ask them how the hell they did it. And so that thought alone was enough 
to send me into an AA room. I mean, I was shaking like a leaf. I was absolutely physically, viscerally petrified of walking into that room for a couple of reasons. Number one, I genuinely didn't know what was going to be on the other side. I had this like horrendous BBC drama impression of what a AA room would look like. You know, I was thinking Fight Club of just like some renegades and tramps and, you know, genuinely it was like, oh, everyone's going to smell and no one's going to have had a shower in a week. That was my honest perception of what an AA room would look like. And the second reason that I was worried about going in there was because I knew that once I went in, I couldn't turn back. Once I genuinely said, I have a problem here, I knew I wouldn't be able to turn back to my old behavior. And so there was a huge part of me that was like, don't go in the room, give yourself another week of drinking. We'll sort this out next month. You're not that bad, it's okay. But the moment I walked in, I saw, I mean, it was a huge meeting. There would have been probably a couple of hundred people in it. And all I saw in that meeting for that full hour was story after story after story of the bravest people I had ever come across. Stories of resilience, stories of hope, stories of love, stories of connection, people supporting each other, like all preconceived ideas and judgments were left at the door in that room. And it was such a revolution, revolution, revelation, revelation to me to be in that room. And all I saw was strength. People were up there sharing their most vulnerable, vulnerable stories, the most vulnerable, scared, shamed, abused parts of themselves. And all I saw was strength. And that was enough to reaffirm to me that there is nothing but strength in vulnerability. And to pretend otherwise is weakness. And I think it's time that we shook off the sort of patriarchy of old England I'm reading a book at the moment which is set in the time between the two world wars in the UK and it's so interesting you know the narrative is all about but we don't talk about those things and we we hide those things and no one would ever speak that emotion and you know that hereditary oppression is handed down and I don't think we're quite free of it yet in our generation I think we are still operating under this idea that we must be seen to be okay in order to be accepted. And my experience is as long as you are working on it, as long as you are not just presenting over and over and over again and the bitching and the drama and the he said and the she said and then this happened and then this happened and the victimhood, if you're presenting like that, sloppy and gross. But if you're presenting with, I'm going through some stuff at the moment and this is what I'm doing to change it. This is how I'm showing up for myself. This is the help I'm asking for. These are the groups I'm accessing. This is the course that I'm doing and this is what I'm learning and this is how... I want to help other people through my growth, then I think that is fucking super fucking hero level strength. And so I don't consider that there is shame in my story. 
I consider that there is a huge amount of um, help for other people in hearing my story. So I don't come on to a Facebook Live or to my Insta stories or onto this podcast to share my story for significance. I don't come here to share my story for you guys to sympathize with me or to get attention. Every single time I speak my truth, I lead with the intention of, can I help somebody else? Will it make somebody else feel like it's okay that they're not having a good day? Will this help somebody else step into their own power and their own responsibility to change their existence? Will this help someone feel like less of an outcast? Will this help someone feel more connected? Will this help someone feel more understood? And if the answer is yes, then I'll do it. If the answer is no, Emily, this is all your ego. This is you needing a little bit of significance. Then I'll just go and call up a mate and be like, oh my God, guess what amazing thing I did today? But if it comes with the intention of can this help somebody else? then I'm all in. When I think about all of the stories that I've heard that have moved me, that have inspired me, that have motivated me, that have helped me transcend into the next version of me, when I hear stories from Oprah, when I hear stories from Lisa Nichols, when I hear stories from all of these amazing powerhouse men and women who have taken the adversity in their life, have taken their lot have taken what has been birthed to them and they have taken that pain, they've taken that abuse, they've taken that disadvantage and they themselves have changed it into their greatest strength to be able to help other people. I can't help but be utterly inspired by that. I don't think sitting in a team meeting in your workplace and being like, is everyone okay? And everyone like, yeah, yeah, fine, fine, fine. There's 20 people in the room and everyone says that they're okay. I'm telling you now, someone in that room isn't okay, but they don't feel like they can say that they are not okay because everybody else is saying they're okay. And it's not that you want to open a discussion of like, oh, my husband did this yesterday and my mum's doing this. And then that's not it at all. It is definitely to be managed appropriately, but... There is space, I think, at the beginning of every team meeting that we sit there and go, what's going on for us? Are we scared about anything? Are we worried about anything? Do we need to forgive anyone today? Like, what's going on for us? Because it's that level of vulnerability that is the future of leadership. AI isn't coming, AI is here. And so what we as human beings have at our advantage, which AI will never have, is empathy. And I think the leadership of tomorrow is understanding that we need to be empathetic today. And that's how you get the most out of your team. That's how I get the most out of my clients. That's how I get the most out of myself. Is opening up these conversations in a safe space for people to be like, I need to get this off my chest. I need to feel like I'm not alone. I need to feel less scared. Because if you want someone to work well for you in your company, in your team, in your business, in you know, whatever it is, or even just in your family unit, then we must have a chance to know and express this is what's going on for me. What I have learned to be true is when I own my story, my story stops owning me. And that's a very powerful thing. While my story holds me captive through shame, humiliation, embarrassment, it will always manipulate me and change the way that I walk up in the world. 
But the moment that I recognize that my story is mine, the story doesn't control me. I am in the driving seat because it's my story. And the moment I take full ownership of that story, it no longer controls me in the same way. And that has been very powerful. So I control my money story, not the other way around. I control my AA story, not the other way around. I control the death of my mum's story, not the other way around. I control my breakup stories, not the other way around. I control my single story, not the other way around. And that has been liberating. I trust that that has been useful. I'm just going to jump into the comments. Um, good morning. So grateful for the hub. I've started module six. Yay! Module six is, I mean, I know you shouldn't have favorites, but probably module six is my favorite. Thank you. You helped answer my question. My male friend is going through a challenging time and I wasn't sure how to best help him. Yeah, it's really hard. Ultimately, when somebody isn't prepared to help themselves, all you can do is constantly come back to them with love and reassurance and hold space for them. But I mean, no one could have helped me get to an AA room before I was ready to get to an AA room. And I've seen a lot of people being forced into AA rooms and I never see them again. No one can be helped unless they are prepared to, to own their shit, basically. So while we can suggest things for sure, really all we can ever do is just love and compassion, love and compassion, love and compassion, love and compassion with our own boundaries firmly set. Uh, this was gold. Thank you. You're welcome. I came in halfway, but I needed to hear this from the start. Yes, probably did. I'll wait for the podcast. Um, okay, lots of people coughing this morning. Yeah, it must be the um, pollen in the air. This is what made me join the hub. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for powering through the cough. You're welcome. Your business name says, oh, yeah, unashamedly human. Absolutely. Um, and it also uh, ridiculously gives me great license to fuck up. Own my fuck ups. Rock up without makeup on my face. You know, not have to put this like, hello, I'm a professional person wearing a suit and a full face of makeup and my hair's always done. I'm like, that seems like hard work. I'll just rock up and be like, hey, fell out of bed this morning, clutching a cup of coffee. My dog's barking in the background. How are you doing? You know, I think that's that that's real, isn't it? It's real life. Um, do I share with those closest to you privately when you're going through hard times? Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 totally. I have a, a a very phenomenal intimate support team. And it also depends what it is. Like sometimes I just need to sit on my own floor by myself and like cry out my grief or express my anger. But, you know, I have my own coaches and mentors. I believe that everybody should have a coach. I don't think anyone can do life by themselves. You can't unpick your brain by yourself. Somebody else has to come in and help you do that. So yeah, I have a great coach. I have... A great mentor in my AA mentor. I have phenomenal friends and I have the tools, the tools I teach in the hub. So I self-coach very well now. But yes, I, I have absolutely have people in my life. Thank you. You've answered my questions. This has definitely helped me today. Awesome. Great. That was perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Needed to hear this. You're welcome. 
Emily, your space is safe. I know that with recent experience, thank you for giving strength to those of us around you through honesty and being open. You're so welcome, hun. I've been in the hub for four days and I'm already feeling it's a safe space. I have lots to work through and feel like I found the place to do it. Join the hub, join the hub. <laughs> yeah, I love the chant, join the hub. I'm stuck in the middle of two friends right now. I don't want to be as I don't know which one is telling the truth. I know one can be a compulsive liar. I need to speak to my truth, but I think I will end one of the relationships. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know the context of what's going on there, but unless the lies are directly about you, it one of the questions I'm asking myself more and more these days is, is this my business? The thing that I'm involving myself in right now, the conversation that I'm having, is it my business? And the, the more often I can say no and just put it down, don't listen to it, don't engage in it, don't be in conversation about it, don't, just shut that shit down. The more light my life is and the more energy I have to focus on the areas of my life where I do want to see improvement and where I do want amplification. I don't want amplification in conversations that are toxic. I don't want amplification in conversations where I have to try and second guess whether or not somebody's telling the truth to me. I just I just don't give it my attention. And even giving it attention like, is this person lying? Is this person telling the truth? What should I say to them? Should I like that's still giving it attention. I just be like like I mean, I, I, like I said, there might be other contexts there that I don't know about, but you control where your energy goes and where your energy goes, there will be amplification. So if your energy goes towards that person said this and then she did that and then he's doing this and did you hear about this, then that will amplify in your life and that will be the energy that you take on in your own vibrational frequency and therefore you will attract more of it. So I just put that shit down now. Herculean effort sometimes, to be fair, but yeah. Some of the stuff that came up with my sponsor recently was about not gossiping and not being involved in the drama of other people and only ever having kind thoughts about other people, refusing to sit in the seat of judgment of other people, um, which is hard for me because judgment has been one of my protection mechanisms for a really long time. It's been one of the ways that I have felt secure in myself is if I judge other people, if I bitch about that person with a friend, then I can feel connected and that person, it's like, a, it's a bullying technique really, isn't it? Like it might not be outwardly bullying somebody, but it is a bullying technique of like, well, if we can bitch about that person, then I feel like I'm in the fold. I feel like I'm safe. And so, you know, part of my continuing evolution of self and falling deeper and deeper in love with myself is now for the next however long <laughs> forever maybe is just like really catching myself in my thoughts and my words when I might be in that place of judgment or in that place of drama or in that place of yeah of, of focusing my attention where I don't where it doesn't need to be focused like how can I come back to love and compassion whilst having a really strong set of um, boundaries around me so that I can always be in love and compassion because I never feel resentful of other people while my boundaries are strong. When my boundaries are slack, then it's really easy to be resentful of other people. That's it for today's episode. I trust you loved it. And remember, you can join me as I record these episodes live on Thursday mornings. All of the details are in the show notes. 
If you love this episode, I'd really appreciate you sharing it with a mate or on your socials. Please tag me, Emily underscore that crazy thing called life. You can also share it through Spotify. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review. It really helps other people find this valuable content. And as always, nothing beats a good bit of word of mouth, does it? So you let Barbara down the road know that she should have a little listen to this episode. If you're interested in joining the Unashamedly Human Hub, my global coaching community, check out the link in the show notes. See you in the next episode and keep being brave.